Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister, Paige. And today we have a bunch of interesting topics that we want to go after. We're going to talk about a few of the candidates that we feel the Vikings should target in the draft, including maybe a path for the draft the Vikings should take uh, in regards. We're only about, is it three weeks away? I think it's the 26th or so of April. Um, should be a ton of fun. The draft's always a super exciting time. Uh, we talked about last week, maybe potentially a quarterback being taken. Maybe we'll dive into that as well. And we'll talk about how the Vikings stack up in the NFC North after all the additions or subtractions done by a few teams in our division. And we'll see if we have what it takes, run back and, re and run back that NFC North title in the 2023-2024 season. That is all here next on the His and Hers Podcast. All right, Paige, uh, I referenced the uh, giraffe. Let me actually pull up the exact dates here we're only about three weeks away just over three weeks away uh april 27th through the 29th obviously the 27th has turned into a big primetime event i already uh i'm gonna go watch it with a couple of my friends uh who are big football fans as well uh so, so fancy you know just it's it's become like a primetime event so you know credit to the nfl turning it into that but Obviously, we're picking uh, number 23. Uh, there's a lot of different paths you can take, particularly if you're some of the teams picking later in the first round uh, for a variety of reasons. If you feel you can get good value by falling back into the, the beginning of the second because the team wants to jump up and grab a quarterback um, so they have the control of the fifth year, uh, you know, and, and a variety of different things. Uh, that's where the Vikings find themselves this season. Uh, obviously, a lot of different needs. You could go defensively, um, a few different needs on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe there's a quarterback in the mix. What do you make of the early talks and where the Vikings find themselves a few weeks before uh, the draft? Yeah, I mean, obviously a couple of different routes we can go. One thing that's been interesting that's kind of popped up today, actually, was potential trade with the Eagles. Um, for us to get number 10 overall, which would kind of move us up. That's the move that we need to make if we want to land a QB, I think, in this in this draft class. Um, and the Eagles would get our 23rd pick and 87th in the third round, and then along with the 2024 first round pick. And so if Kevin O'Connell and they decide that, that's, that we want to go get that quarterback this year, then I think that's kind of one of the options we could take, but I think a move that would be pretty smart to move up. Obviously we've got a pretty great class of quarterbacks this year, but I'm just really intrigued by the draft class for 2024 too. I don't think it's like 100% necessary for us right now to trade up for that draft pick, especially when I think we need to be looking at some wide receivers, obviously to pair with Justin Jefferson with Adam Thielen's exit. I think we just need to, I'm like, we need to get another wide receiver in there so that we can kind of balance that out, get our offense squared up. And that would kind of set us up perfectly to bring in a QB next year at the end of Kirk Cousins reign. And so I'm interested in that path in terms of we go after wide receiver this round, we stick with pick 23 land, one of those great wide receivers and then builds towards 2024 drafting a QB. Um, 
But then I don't know, there's just so many options here. Cause then it's also like, it also is dependent upon like, do we make that trade with the 49ers cousins for <clears throat> cousins for Trey Lance? Cause that's also been in the talks. Some league sources around the league are mentioning that that's something that's being talked about. And so just a lot of interesting routes we can go, but for now I'm staying stick with pick number 23, pick up one of the wide receivers. Let's trade Dalvin cook. I think that uh, between Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, we're paying the highest paid running back duo in the league. And I just think Dalvin Cook's kind of at the end of his reign, as much as it hurts my heart to say it, I think it's time to kind of like let him go clear up some of that salary cap so that we can draft some wide receivers and some running backs to kind of back all those positions and get some young blood in there. Yeah, and we've been saying pick number 23. I was messed up. It's pick number 24. I was one away, so I apologize uh that's my fault but what i think is interesting no, we've, got, we've got 23rd is it 23 i just looked it up right here uh well that's confusing on a vikings.com it says vikings hold 24th overall pick but then in the article it says 23rd yeah so everyone's confused oh i think i know what happens uh let's see here uh, let's work through this okay so it was so we both we were right we were right and wrong so it was the 24th pick. That's what it was. But because of the uh, tampering the Miami Dolphins did, it got uh, bumped up one. So it was 23. So thanks, that'll, probably Miami. Never, that'll probably never happen again. But one of those ones where we were right on both accords. So <laughs> that's why. Okay. So uh, we were right. Uh, pick number 23. And like we said, once you're in that back half, there's a lot of different things you can do. I think there's a, a a specific player, and I know Viking fans won't be super excited when I say defensive back because that's you know Lewis you know seen last year uh, obviously being a safety but getting hurt and then we took Andrew Booth in the I believe in the second maybe it was a third and then you know all of Mike Zimmer's time a lot of you know expenses paid to get defensive backs but there's one in particular that I think will be available in that time frame um, and it is Joey Porter Jr. Uh, the son of Joey Porter played a longtime NFL player in the league and the reason why I believe he'd be such a good fit six foot two 200 pounds uh, he's a press cornerback uh, which in Brian Flores scheme a man-to-man press um, you know type of a prototype of corner is going to be exactly what he's going to want to fit into uh, his mold you know, coming from Penn State, he's played in a lot of big time football games, has been, a, you know, a part of a lot of environments. Um, so obviously this past year, um, we looked at our DBs and, you know, we kind of find, you know, Patrick Peterson had a good year. Uh, you know, we found some diamonds in the rough, you know, uh, camera dancer didn't turn into anything that we wanted. Andrew Booth ended up getting hurt. So I think that they need to get a guy. Um, that is going to hold his own with a lot of the cover zero cover one looks that Brian Flores is want is, is going to want to do. Um, and so outside of that, you know, you could go in and, and try to get like a wide receiver too, like you were saying, you know, Jalen Hyde out of uh, Tennessee would be a good mix for that, a big vertical threat, because a lot of what Justin Jefferson is, isn't that deep down, you know, burner down the sideline. It's more of, uh, the precision route running. And so if you get that guy who can maybe stretch the safeties that Adam Thielen wasn't able to do, KJ Osborne does um, in small sample sizes, I think you'd have, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson go to another level and this offense would ascend 
to another level as well. So I could see them going wide receiver, but I do think Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State uh, to pair with Murphy, who we got from the Arizona Cardinals. Then all of a sudden, I think you look at it, Harrison Smith in, in the back. You got those two corners. You know, maybe Andrew Booth takes that next step. So Murphy can go more into that nickel role. I think then you're looking at a defense that that could wreak some havoc and, you know, maybe win more games than they lost us this past year. Yeah, that's a great point. I am really intrigued to see the 2022 draft class this year. I think obviously Ed Donatel with his old school style of system, we all know as Vikings fans and across the league, that defense looked horrendous a lot of the time last year. And so I'm really excited to see bringing in Brian Flores, seeing how he's going to utilize those young weapons. And I think we're going to see them starting to make a bigger impact than we've seen. I mean, talk about Lewisine, Ed Ingram, Brian Asamoah, like these guys who were like, they were doing well, but it didn't ever feel like they got into a rhythm with the defense holistically. And so just really excited to see the impact that they have. Um, interesting to go with a, with a defensive back in the first round, um, mm. but it's not deep cornerback, deep cornerback class as well. So yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot I, of first round talent. Yeah. Cause in my, in my, so my mock draft, I'll go through that now. Like what I think, would be the prime pickings for me if we stayed in our current draft categories. Um, first, I think picking up Jordan Addison from USC as a wide receiver in the first if, round. If he fell to us, then I think that'd be a pretty easy decision. I just think he's going to be picked up in the top 15. Yeah, that's what, but we got JJ. So, you know, that's true. He did. <laughs> you never know. Uh, that's, that's a fair point. That's yeah. A fair point. <laughs> um, and then I'm thinking Dwayne McBride in the third round at running back out of University of Alabama. I just really like his strength and style. Reminds me of the way that Dalvin Cook runs. So I think that he could easily fit into that offensive scheme. Um, could be exciting that way. And then fourth round, go Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker from Cincinnati, as well as Isaiah McGuire on the edge from Missouri. Um, obviously, some elements that we need to improve upon. But I think that those are positions that you can pick up later in the draft and still get some really high caliber talent. Um, and then for cornerback, I'm actually going back to University of Alabama and going with Starling Thompson, I think is where we pick him, pick up that cornerback spot. Um, and then sixth round, take in Clayton Toon from QB position and Jake Moody at kicker. Wow. Wow, you went all the way to the end of the round, huh? That's <laughs> what is what's a mock draft without committing to the full draft, Zach? Hey, that's fair enough. I uh, <laughs> I can't even I can't even hate on that. I do think, I think if we could end, you know, in, like taking, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Be, would be, I think, help solidify that side of it. That is if they fall, you know, fall in love with his metrics. I think you could also talk yourself into Jordan Asson. You could also talk yourself into Zay Flowers from Boston College because they both have similar or, you know, Jalen Hyatt at the wide receiver position. So if they're thinking offense, then I, I think one of those three would probably be there. I would actually be shocked if all three were taken. So that I think that would end up being a really good draft. Um, you start getting into, you know, those later rounds. Um, I do think picking up a running back, if you can find one in the in that third round range, I think would be really useful because I don't, you know, as we see here today, you know, the news came out that David Montgomery, the Bears running back, was a free agent, and the Vikings kind of poked around, offered him to see if they could snag him uh, before he actually ended up signing with the Lions of all teams. Um, and so what would be really great 
so with that said, I don't think that Dalvin Cook is going to be on the roster uh, come week one. I think that they're, they didn't like the packages that they got. I think you'll see teams as they start to fill themselves in OTAs be like, oh, maybe we have a little bit more here. Let's go get that explosive playmaker and maybe the Vikings can get better compensation back. So with that yeah, being said, they'll, that- they'll need a they'll need that quick twitch running back to run those, you know, the screen schemes and get down the field. So I think round three is kind of where they pick the running back. Same. And especially because I just feel like I think we're going to hold on to Dalvin Cook until after the draft. I don't think that move will be made until later. But I think a really awesome option there would be a trade with the New England Patriots to set us up for multiple drafts come 2024 and giving them Dalvin Cook. I feel like trading him outside of the league is outside of the uh, division is always a smart move. It's interesting to me how much the Lions have been a part of these like inner divisional trades the past couple of years from jamal williams going to the packers and then the and then tj hawkinson leaving the lions going to the vikings so it's just this constant in in the inner circle trades that are happening but um i think that we have a lot of options when it comes to dalvin cook obviously an incredible player and it has a good impact on a field and so i feel like we could leverage him for some really cool opportunities that will have a better long-term opportunity for the minnesota vikings yeah, and one of the things I think you could see the Vikings picking up a running back is if they ended up trading back out of that first round pick and collecting a couple day two picks where they would pick, you know, and this is again, of course, if they fall in love with a couple of the later round prospects, a wide receiver and a running back. But one that intrigues me watching, you know, some of his highlights and obviously being an Alabama player, seeing um, a ton of their games is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he's pumped with a Dalvin Cook type of runner and so you'd be able to still pair your Alexander Madison kind of your hammer and be able to have a running back who can still utilize space and be a little bit more quick twitched um, to get those explosive plays like Dalvin Cook provides Uh, but you'd be obviously a lot cheaper and save some money to afford its other positions so you know that would be you know you probably have to be you know, day two, early day two in order to get a guy like that. So I would see that if their plan is to trade back because they view um, all of the value from pick 20 to pick 40, 50, kind of the same value and see if they can collect a couple of them for a team that maybe moves up if a Hendon Hooker has fallen, you know, because those top four, I'd be shocked if they make it past the first 12 or so picks. I think all four of them, you know, Will Levis has been, said to slide but they also have him linked with the colts who are picking number four so it's really hard to believe with all the smoke screens but i have a hard time believing that those four quarterbacks are leaving the top 10 to 12 picks um and then past that you would see a hendon hooker who has been viewed as a late first round early second round guy but if you're a quarter you know we've talked about this if you're a team that's going to pick a quarterback you want to pick them in the first round so you have that fifth year of control because you look at the teams like a Dak Prescott who's picked in the fourth, they have to pay him a lot sooner than you do a guy that you have all five years of full control over on the salary. Yeah, I think that I think that exciting thing for a lot of the teams right now that are looking for that QB spot is that there is such a heavy, such a longevity of the draft class in both 2023 and 2024. And so I feel like it's like if it's not the focus this year, then there's going to be opportunities next year for that draft class as well. But there's just some really exciting prospects. And I mean, we talked about it last week. It's just the draft is such a funny thing because it's like it goes there's so much that goes into it. Right. All of these teams are 
interviewing, they're flying these people out, they're meeting them, they're seeing the chemistry, they're seeing what they look like on the field, and they're doing all this stuff. And they're getting prepped. And they think they're making these like super intelligent decisions. And then you have Mitchell Trubisky's of the world. And then you have Patrick Mahomes's of the world where it's like, you just never truly know what a player is going to be like until they're in the NFL, they're in the teams and they're in the situations to actually know where they go and how they succeed within the league. And so it's really all a game of chance when it comes to like, who are you picking up? Because I mean, like, I mean, Jalen Rager was taken before Justin Jefferson and by the Philadelphia Eagles and the, I mean, the right team, right time, all of that stuff matters when it comes to the NFL draft. And obviously Justin Jefferson has proven to be a much better wide receiver than Jalen Rager was. And so it's just interesting to see how like, you just never know with these. And so it's so fun to like, guess all of the different things. And then you find out like, Hey, the actual best QB that's coming out of this class could have been drafted in round two when nobody was paying attention. And he ends up being the household name that we know in in five years. You know, it would be really interesting, you know, the only other part that I can think of that maybe they go different from, you know, kind of the names that we've talked about is, and I don't think after the combine, you know, that Nolan Smith had that he would necessarily fall down to them, but the Georgia defensive end, I think would be, you know, and it's always one of the situations, like you said, players fall all the time in the draft. And so you can never quite judge going into it. And so that's why sometimes, you know, Quasey may have this grand plan of what he's going to do based on how he thinks the board's going to fall. But say like a Nolan Smith ends up falling to him at 23 and kind of falls into their lap and they're dealing with the Zadarius Smith, uh, you know, Daniel Hunter isn't going to play on his current contract. So they got to get that sorted out. They brought in Marcus Davenport. But if you can get an edge rusher, uh, that's going to fit kind of what Brian Flores wants to do. Athletic hybrid can still cover the flats, rush the passer, great in the run. Well, then that's what you're going to do. And so, um, like you said, you know, I think he'd be a, cont- a, a contender for that. I don't think he'd make it to the Vikings, but if he did, then you're taking the best player available. You know, a lot of us wouldn't be sitting here thinking they need to take an edge just because of what's on their roster right now. But we don't know the workings of what they plan to do with Zedarius, what they plan to do with Daniil, who's getting, you know, he's not old, but he is getting older. Uh, and so the, the next generation of pass rushers for the Vikings have to be thought of. Um, and so it'd be very interesting to see, you know, if that type of player would have fall to them. And, and, you know, one of them, you know, Jalen Carter's had a rough little go here as of late with, you know, the off the, off the field issues showing up to the Georgia pro day um, out of shape, you know, cramping, not going through drills very hard. Now, if he fell 23, there'd be a million teams trying to trade up to get that pick. So I don't think obviously that would happen, but that just, you know, paints a scenario that sometimes players get to a point where you're, they weren't ever on your board. You were never even planning on it, but you just know that you have to, because that is the best player. It's like the Vikings, when they picked Randy Moss, that was never a part of the plan. But when a player like that falls to you, you have no other choice, but take him. You got to change the whole schema to am to take that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good point with Zaredaria Smith and Daniil Hunter. I feel like I'll, I'll be shocked if Zaredaria Smith is still on the roster come September. Um, I just think that between his cryptic messages on Twitter and just kind of like what the Vikings are doing, I think they hold on to Daniil Hunter and they let go of Darius Smith. So I'd be shocked to see both of them back on the field as much as I would love it this fall. I don't think we're going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a good start to the year. And that's where I think, um, 
the contract that he signed was such a team friendly contract that I do think this is just kind of a like a a maneuver to get paid a little bit more by the Vikings, get a little more security. Um, and so I wouldn't be shocked if that's the whole ploy. But at the end of the day, it also could be where he, you know, the Vikings don't want to pay him that because he's 30. He's been injured most of his career, you know, started last year, number, you know, number one in pressures through the first eight games and then really dipped up, dipped off after that Buffalo game. Um, you know, and I, and I remember watching, you know, the playoff game thinking there's got to be a time that Daniil and Zadarius get through and make a play. And obviously there's a lot to do with the defensive side of the ball that maybe wasn't necessarily their fault, but it just never felt like he ever made, you know, the plays to help us win games. Well, I can tell you standing in a U.S. Bank Stadium, those are probably the two names I was yelling out the most throughout that entire playoff (laughs) game was I was like, at one point, Smith and Hunter are going to get through and they're going to sack Jones and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And I was just getting more and more and more frustrated. I'm like, what are we paying you for? We literally just probably needed one time. Just one time to rock him and we would have changed the momentum of that game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are there any other draft nuggets you wanted to drop before we moved on to our next topic? Um, I don't think so. I think, I mean, you mentioned the other players that I've really been thinking about. I think it'd be awesome if we picked up like a Zay Flowers, if he happens to be there as well. I think that'd be a great op- opportunity from a wide receiver standpoint. I don't think I'm pretty set on that. I think we go wide receiver this first round, but I could be a sway depending on what kind of the draft actually looks like when we land and see if we don't move up in it at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It should be should be a ton of fun. And uh the you know, the Wednesday before the draft we'll release our full mock draft and what we hope to see happen fully on the Wednesday's episode and publish it to our social media page and we can see how right we are or how wrong we are. So looking at the NFC North, obviously we sit as a predict you know a predictor of what vegas thinks of our division and they have the vikings at the same exact spot that they had them last year eight and a half wins second place in the division only this time it's not the packers predicted to win the division no they're predicted to finish third it is the detroit Detroit. lions so what a come up for dan campbell and the detroit lions you have a team that was featured on Hard Knocks that I greatly enjoyed watching. Um, you have a team that has now somehow become America's favorite team. A lot Campbell. of people are on, on the hype train, including a ton of players. You have, they signed Mac McClain, Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, David Montgomery, uh, Graham Glasgow, CJ Gardner-Johnson of the Eagles, um, and then they brought back Marvin Jones, who was down with the Jaguars for a number of years. Um, so it's just insane to see the Lions become a place that a lot of people want to go. And I do think it has a lot to do with man, man Campbell. That's what I just call him now. That's just as natural. That's his name. Man that's Campbell. his name. I mean, he is a freak of nature. Um but it's just weird. Never thought I'd see the day that the Lions would become out of the four teams in the division, the team that the players want to go to. Um, what do you make of the division? What do you make of the hype surrounding the Lions? And do you think that they are the prohibitive favorites to win the division? Um, I just I can't 
I, I like the Lions. I think that they have fun energy. Obviously, they had a great season last year for a Lions season. I mean, knocking the Packers out of the playoff is the best victory that the Lions have had in 20 years. And so it's I like I like the hype around them, but I just don't think that the Lions are the team that everyone thinks that they're going to be. Um, this might just be a little bit cynical too, but I feel like most of the time these like underdog teams that everybody's rooting for in the preseason end up being pretty disappointing, especially through the first few games. Obviously added a lot of talent. I think the one issue you have when you add a ton of talent at once while also taking away some major aspects of what worked for them last year, like a Jamal Williams, who was so Mm -hmm. impactful on their offense, is that we're not seeing the same team. We're seeing a completely different team. They haven't had time to like gel and mesh and figure out um, how they work together. And so I think that I do think that the Lions will be competitors, but I don't think they're going to finish first in the division. Um, but I do think that the, I think that we will see, you know, the last few years, obviously the NFL to keep the the end of the season really interesting. The Vikings have had a inner divisional game to end the season. Um, and so I think that we'll see that this year with the Vikings Lions being that end game this year as they're kind of the favorites in the division, especially with an Aaron Rodgers departure. Um, a lot of movement with the Bears. I think this is another season for the Bears to build. Obviously, they've got a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball. And so I do think it is between the Lions and the Vikings, but I just I think that there's a lot a lot to be excited about when it comes to the Vikings defense this year with Brian Flores. Obviously, last year, a ton of explosiveness on offense, and our defense is the reason that we lost the games that we did. And so I think that we'll sit right about 10 or 11. I don't think we're going to be insane. I think we're going to have a lot of games. Well, a lot of games. I think we're going to have seven or eight games that we lose. Um, But I don't think all to say that I think the Lions will be fun. I think they'll be frisky, but I don't think they're going to be this dominant team in the in the NFC North or in the NFL overall. Yeah. And, you know, and there's a lot of places um, that will rank um uh, the lines ahead and what's interesting is like you know all these sports books leaning heavy on a few different teams you know no surprise they you know uh they let they lay out the percentage chance of these teams making the playoffs they have the Niners are number one with 83 percent and it has a lot to do with their division I think that's a little over overrated just because I mean who's going to be their quarterback you have the Chiefs of 78, Eagles of 78, Bengals of 78, Bills of 72. Go on down the list. A notable one is the Lions at 63%. And the Vikings are all the way down the middle of the pack with the Browns at 43.5, uh, which is just crazy for a team that won, you know, 13 games last year. But I do think this offseason has kind of shown that they're trying to shed some old money. They're getting younger. Um, they have 35 players that are scheduled to be free agents next year. And so really in a lot of regards with, you know, the restructuring of Harrison Smith, pushing void years of, of Kirk's uh, number instead of extending him, it's just kind of, Hey guys, this is the last, you know, this isn't the exact same team. Obviously they shed some of the, the key guys that we've known over the last, you know, decade or so. Um, but it's kind of the last two raw for a lot of these guys. It's, it's it, at least that's kind of what it's feeling like again. And I think this will be really hammered down if they keep a Dalvin cook, um, if they keep a Zadarius Smith, even though he hasn't been on the team for very long, just an older veteran to see if he can, 
you know, ha- make that difference on a team uh, that wants to go deep. Um, and then after that point, they're going to let the dust settle and move on from there. So I think they look at it as well, if the Lions really are the best team, and this this roster is currently constructed, can't win this division with the Lions being the toughest competition, then we do need to do a total rebuild from the ground up and restructure how this roster is shaped. But my thinking with the Lions is always how it should be. Let's wait till the Lions actually do it because there's been a few times in my life where Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson years, where they should have been the team and they lion themselves out of those games. So yeah, I it's just, just an organization. I would, I would not put my money on for the big wins. No <laughs> history repeats itself. Always does. The Vikings will always be contenders that upset you in the playoffs. And the lions will always be the team that disappoints their fans uh, five games into the season. <laughs> yeah. It's to be how it goes. The Vikings, you know, if they're expected to win the playoff game, they usually don't. And if they don't, aren't expected to win the playoff game, they usually do. So that's where we kind of find ourselves in terms so, of like the Packers, obviously the bears uh, had a big draft where they were able to trade back, collect a lot of picks from the Panthers, um, you know, pick up DJ Moore, but it just still just seems like a team that's a couple years away from, you know, putting that all together. And it really hinges on, on what Justin Fields does at the next step. But for the, for the Packers or for the bears, do you see any chance that they will push and be competitive with the Lions or Vikings at the top of the division? Um, I mean, I think that the, I think that the bears have an opportunity. I don't like have a ton of faith in them, but I think if they make some moves to get, like they are really in need of offensive tight end, they're in need of defensive ends, wide receivers, defensive tackle. And so I think if they're able to kind of secure a lot of those like missing holes in their offense and defense, then they're going to be able to be contenders. I think that they'll be interesting to watch, interesting to play. And I think that Justin Fields, we're really going to see him step into his own. I think obviously last season was kind of a make or break for Justin Fields. And I think that he proved himself in enough that like, Hey, this guy is young. He's quick. He has Mm -hmm. a good arm. Like if we give him the right weapons, then he can be our guy. And so I think that we saw a lot of exciting things from Justin Fields throughout the season, those glimpses of like what he could be if he was surrounded by the right support. And so I think if the, I think I'm very interested to see like what the, what the bears are able to do in the draft, as well as in any free agency picks and things like that over the next few months, because if they're able to fill some of those holes, I think that especially for, I think that their games will be tough. I think it's going to be a lot of close games for the bears but i think that if they're able to kind of build a team that's able to put pressure on um in those moments especially on the defensive end then they're going to be able to be a contender within the nfc north and cause some issues for the vikings and for the lions especially i think that i would be and like it's pretty common for the vikings to at least take one win on both the bears and the lions every single season and so but i think that the lions are obviously the ones that it's easiest to beat twice for the bears and the Packers, they have a much better record of beating them twice in a season than the Vikings do. We tend to lose to the lions and split. <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, I would say I have, I just, I'd have more faith in, in the bears being able to build back. I think that a team like the Packers losing a franchise quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who's obviously controlled a lot of the narrative, the everything that went on there. And I think that Aaron Rodgers, completely honest, I think that he did a lot of damage to a lot of the newer young classmen there over the last couple of years and the way that he treated them and not having like a, a mentor mentality and right. just always seeming frustrated. And so I think that the Packers are going to have a season of trying to get right and trying to figure out like what is our move now that we don't have Aaron Rodgers controlling the narrative here in Green Bay yeah no I think that's a really good point because um, I think for everything that Aaron Rodgers bring you brings you I think there's a ton of baggage that he brings as well and so obviously what the Packers are or are going to be for 2023 will rest on who Jordan Love is and they obviously have to feel good enough about him uh, to move off of Aaron Rodgers. And it's really interesting how similar, like, and I know it's been said by a ton of people, but how similar this is all unfolding uh, just like it did at the end of, you know, Brett Favre's tenure with the, with the Green Bay Packers. It's not exactly the same, you know, Brett, you know, Brett Favre didn't have a podcast. He went all, all the time with, uh, with Pat McAfee and he also didn't, get in, you know, openly talk about his drug use and dark holes and different things of that nature. But, you know, with having a stranglehold on the franchise, the franchise probably giving them a contract a little late that they regretted almost immediately um, and having a quarterback that they drafted in the first round sit and wait for the first three years for his opportunity. Now, I will, I will absolutely lose my mind if – the Packers walk themselves into another Hall of Fame quarterback because that would mean close to 50 years if his career is, you know, a long one of that the rest. type of play while we haven't had one Hall of Famer since Fran Tarkington. So that's neither here nor there. Well, at the least Pack- we're not the Bears, okay? That's They've had true. a worse quarterback situation than we have, so at least we can sleep knowing that. <laughs> oh, Kirk Cousins' season last year would be the greatest Bears <laughs> Quarter, Bears quarterback season of all time, and it's not even close. Like that, that's that's a whole different level. It's weird to think that Jay Cutler never approached that type of performance, but again, it shows how bad people hate Kirk Cousins for them to talk about it. Um, but anyway, so I just think that the Vikings find themselves in the position they did last year. You know, depending on how their schedule breaks out. Um, obviously, we'll find out the schedule here probably after the draft. Early May is usually. Uh, when they come out with that. Um, obviously, in the NFL, getting off to a quick start isn't the only thing, but it definitely helps when you can you know, start 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, 3-1, um, and then take your lumps but continue to push through the season. Um, if they you know, start off with a couple road games that they lose or 0-2, the Lions start off fast, uh, then you can find yourself always battling back. And with those last two years of Mike Zimmer, it is exhausting for an NFL team to be, you know, two and five, get themselves back down to 500 and then lose two in a row to really tough games, you know, on the road or whatever the case is and be back to five and seven. Cause it feels like they're never going to get over the hump. So as opposed to this past season where they just got off to a real quick start eight and one. Um, and then we're able to, you know, finish the year just with the, what they finished 13, four. So they finished five and three to finish out the season. So Anyway, all that being said, I think until the Lions prove something, I'm not going to believe in them. And until the Packers, until I see Jordan Love in action, I still believe that with Kirk at quarterback, the Vikings are still should be the favorite to win the division. 
Yeah, we always, but I mean, I always take, I always take solace when people are betting on the other teams in the NFC North, because generally it works out better for the Vikings when nobody believes in them. So that's very true. Follow that. Also, I think an, an advantage for the Vikings this year is their schedule. I mean, not a ton of like terribly tough opponents this year, which is exciting from a, like a Vikings perspective. Obviously we've got, I think the hardest games at home are going to be San Francisco and Kansas city. But then we've got the Chargers, the Saints, the Bucks, and then Bears, Packers, and Lions. So I think that those that's a lot of winnable games for the Vikings. And then road opponents, you got the Broncos, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Eagles. And so I think that the toughest one out of that is obviously Eagles um, playing at their home is always tough for literally anybody. Um, right. But especially the Vikings, um, a little bit of scars from that. And so I think that that's also like when you look at the schedules that the Vikings also have an upper hand that way. Way. And so just really excited for uh, September to come and for the talk to finally figure out who is actually the one that's going to win. Yeah, it's always different. It always is. And that's the best thing about the NFL is unfortunately, if your team made the playoffs last year, there's a you know pretty high chance that they, they won't make it. It's usually about a 40 or 50 percent turn on the playoff teams. And when you got uh, teams that play in weaker division that are obviously superior um, then it, it makes it tough. But there's always a couple teams that had a great year uh, that will suffer a dip. And I'm looking at you, New York Giants. Mark my words. We don't have to get into oh, that. Oh, yeah. We don't have to get into that. But they had a lot of close wins. And, again, you could say the same about the Vikings. And I would argue with you because there's a lot of crazy wins that the Vikings got last year. But then if you look at the division compared to some other teams, you know, there's quite the difference. So, oh yeah, Brian Dable, he secured his job for a few years, but the Giants will not be the ones they were last year. No, no. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, any other thoughts on the uh, NFL draft? Anything of that nature? I think the only other note uh, thing of notice is that uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium needs about two hundred eighty million dollars worth of maintenance, and it's only seven years old. So. I wonder, what does that even mean? Like, the structure needs, like, some TLC, like, the, the glass. What is what is it that is, like, broken? Each area of the stadium was labeled good, fair, or worn in architectural assessment. Good condition means well-kept. Fair condition related to some needs of working in the short-term future. Worn essentially means fix it now. Wow. So included in that is all of the upper stadium TVs. So, oh, oh, so it's like into the thick of things. Yeah. So I don't know. One of the most beautiful stadiums in the NFL is also turning out to be one of the most expensive for taxpayers of the great Minnesota. Well, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you, Minnesota, Minnesota for keeping that place beautiful. (laughs) You know, what probably happened is Taylor Swift's going there in the fall or, or late summer or whatever. And she said, this isn't up to my standard. You guys have got to get this up to par. Up to par for the queen of music and the world. Well, luckily, the, the Wilfs have billions of dollars. So hopefully they will help pay for some of those renovations. Or I guess it's not renovations, it's just maintenance. Because they're not yeah. really, I mean, that place won't need renovations for a long time. We can only hope. Hey, news break. Uh, expensive building costs a lot of money to maintain. <laughs> Who would have Breaking thought? news, everybody. Breaking news. In case you didn't know, a billion dollar facility costs million dollars to maintain. That's crazy. They make that 
280. I wonder, I wonder if you talk like the city itself, how much they make every Viking home game. Oh, I know. And I know those numbers are crazy. So obviously they wouldn't have built it if it didn't make logistical sense. They had to have known that going into it, right? Like this wasn't just like a surprise. Oh yeah, no, that you know that the maintenance things are gonna come up. You know that technology has a pretty short shelf life and you have to replace it. So, I mean, seven years might seem like a short time, but for technology, like the amount of progress that they make every year, all that stuff's gonna be so outdated. It's true. It's like 2016 and the TVs that were hung up and stuff. Yeah. Those are old. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever had a TV for seven years. So there you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to His Internet Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside Sister Paige. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.